you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. You should go to camp. Amen. Uh, I, I want to draw your attention tonight to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I have a simple title. I don't even know that I'll explain my title halfway, but... My title is simply a time for your intro, time for your intro. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 7, and it reads like this. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness and longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called into one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Again, for just a few moments, I'll do more teaching than preaching, but I want to teach for a little bit. Time for your intro. If you wouldn't mind putting your Bibles down. And I promise that I'm going to do my best to to bring us all together tonight. Is that all right? You all have shown up, and I'm glad, and I couldn't be more grateful, but you didn't show up for me, you showed up for him. And if nothing else, I hope that we can be in one mind and one body as we hear from him tonight. I want us to pray that God would have his way in this service and that he'd use me as a vessel. Can we pray tonight? Lord, we thank you, Jesus. I pray, God, in every word that I say, let it be uh, used of you, God. Let it be directed of you, Lord. I pray that tonight I'm in your will, God, and that I can truly be underneath your glory and your praise and your worship, Lord, and everything that we give to you, God. I pray that I rest in that anointing, Lord. I pray that you'd have your way in my mouth and my lips. Let me speak with clarity and understanding, we pray tonight, in the lovely name of Jesus. And the church said amen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say time for your intro as you're seated tonight. Amen. As I was being asked to teach and preach tonight, I often ask the Lord, what is it that I need to learn more and how do I grow more in him and as part of the body? I try my best if the Lord hasn't necessarily laid something on my heart for others to preach to myself. And so that's how I form a lot of the things that I study and I go through. I often study and try to learn more about myself. I read not just the Bible, and it is first and foremost in my life, but I also try to read books on bettering myself. How can I be wise as a servant, or a serpent, yet harmless as a dove? How can I give a better first impression, yet not forsake my true self? 
I think most of us would probably like to be like that. In fact, when you look at social media, the whole model is set up for us to give amazing first impressions. Every time we put a post, it's how many likes can I get? How many loves will I get or laughter can I get? Can I be an influencer? How can I go viral? <laughs> Listen, for some of you elders, that's a good thing now. If you go viral, that means everybody loved your stuff and everyone shared it. But back in the day, if you were the cause of a virus spreading, being viral meant you stayed home. And so now it's something that people love to do. How do I get noticed? How to become uh, the most valuable person on the entire Internet? Even to the point that some of us might filter ourselves so much that we couldn't pull off looking like the picture we post if our life depended on it. And the church said, amen. That's our young people. Us Older folks don't edit photos, do you? Is there any elder that will put a filter on your face when you put a photo up? <laughs> Some, I'll keep moving on. It's a facade. It's snapshots of the most happiest that we've ever been. We post things like fireworks and fireworks videos and say how great it was for us to sit on a lawn and get eaten by mosquitoes and you just had the most amazing time and Somehow the mosquitoes all of, uh, it just evaded you, and they were everywhere else, but you were just perfect, and the wind blew just right, and it was, it's all a facade sometimes about who we uh, seem to be or who we want to most be like. But in fact, most of the time, a lot of us might be in a, a moment of sadness or oppression, uh, depression, but we don't allow God to work in us or to grow us in those moments. Our response is different, and we often discount our value, we discredit our future, and we embrace our failures. This is how we tend to live life, like don't get too high because then the fall is that much harder. We don't allow ourselves to, to experience the good times, and, and before we know it, we're already back in the dumps, and life is hard, and it's, it's heavy, and it weighs on you, and it's, it's such a burden, and it's all these things. But tonight, if I can, I just want to tell you it is time for your intro. I'm going to say it in English a little bit better if that's all right. General Patton was one of our greatest generals. But he didn't get that title by fighting some small little skirmish on the back of the desert. In order for General Patton to be General Patton, he had to be on the biggest battle, on the front line, and given titles like the reason we won the war. And they look at generals like that, and they look at people in wars like that, and they give them that uh, that position and title, not because of the small things they did, but because that the battle that you faced, although great, was absolutely necessary for you to wear the medals that come with that war. Tonight, I feel like in our lives, some of you might be facing battles, sickness, pain, things that don't seem to go away. I've been feeling this pain for years, or uh, the loss, or the loneliness, it does not seem to subside, and I can't find myself happy, and you, you get in this rut where even every time you come to church, there's no smile on your face. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But the truth is the world is reading your face every single day. I'm being watched every day, and the world does not care if I'm overworked, overheated, passed up, frustrated, or needing a moment. They're just excited when we respond because they're waiting for failure. And so what makes being a Christian so hard is that you 
most likely don't have the option to fail like that. I've heard it said a lot of times that when you lose your cool, you lose more than your cool. And it matters how you respond in every situation. And, and again, if I was to get somewhere tonight, if I could just give a brief little overview of what I'm trying to get at, I want us to realize how important every moment is in life. And if we can get ourselves out of that current just day-to-day grind and, and the, the, the hustle and the bustle and all the, the sweat of the brow and all of the pain that comes with life, and if we could just step back and say, okay, it's okay. I've lived with this pain for so many years, I've wasted my 30s. I've wasted my 40s. I've wasted my 20s. I've wasted my childhood because I've lived in this pain and I was not able to step back for a moment and just say that God still has a plan for me. And God still wants to use me and work in me and thrive in me. We don't believe that God can do that, a lot of us. So we are fine living in the pain. And we're fine saying that this is the thorn of my flesh and this is something I must bear and carry and I can't ever be healed and it's okay. And you walk around, woe is me. My leg was broke. I never had it reset, but that's what God wanted. And and we just live with this mindset that I can never be healed or happy. And I can't have joy or I can't feel peace in my life because God wouldn't want it that way, would he? Wrong. We have to be in control of our emotions. So there are so many people that would feel better if you just act miserable, if you'd maybe cuss one more time or go back to drinking or or cutting loose or or doing drugs or whatever it is. And, 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 And so much of the world would just love for you to go back to that one more time just to say how much fun we had doing that. And I'd love for you to do that. There's there's no one that cares when you go back and apologize to your boss when you quit a job. Or when you work it out, they want to see the explosion. They want to see the hype. I was in Taco Bell about a month or two ago. And I saw this little 16-year-old kid just kick open the back door. Boxes came flying, and I thought, man, he's just taking the trash out with excitement. That was not the case. He began to walk further, and I watched his hat, and he disappeared over the dumpster. But then this hat comes flying back into play. And I'm sitting there waiting for some tacos, and I'm just like, what is happening? And all the excitement, this kid is doing it. He's, he's leaving the way everyone wants to leave. Just, you know, you know, set the world ablaze. I'm going. And I saw a boss walk out. Ten minutes, I'm like, my Lord, don't you guys realize this kid has left? He's gone. But I guess he went to the curb to just breathe. Or I, don't, I don't know. But about five minutes later, they bring him back in. And as a Christian... I felt like that was the most epic failure of quitting ever. He had such potential. You kick things. You're throwing things. You're saying, this is it. I'm out. I'm not making another taco in my life. And then five minutes later, you're like, all right, where's the the quesadillas at? Where's the sour cream? Where's Where's that moment? But the world would love, I felt myself feel like the world for a minute. They love the drama. When you get so ticked at something, they're like, yeah, quit. Quit big. Don't just sneak out and give your two weeks and walk away. You need to walk in there and just burn the place and set it ablaze and and emotionally leave them a wreck and make sure they miss you on the way out. Hello? Y'all still all right? Can you imagine a man that was responsible for multiple deaths, full of ridicule, considered a horrible person, considered one that did everything against 
the people of God. And our Lord and Savior says, I'll use him. And so as we read in Ephesians chapter 4, we read a man that simply says, this is your calling. And he begins to talk about some of the fruits of the Spirit where he says, do it with all lowliness and, and, and with meekness and do it with love. And, and this is part of your calling. We're all one body. We're going to get through this together. But this is who we're called to be. And it's important in my life that I understand every day I live under a microscope. And we have to be okay with that microscope. I'm human. I make plenty of errors. I might forget a circuit of electricity and then they close up the walls and we just call it Wednesday and we'll figure it out on Thursday. That was today. <laughs> and you have to get to the moment where it's like, okay, I make errors. And so what do you do in those moments where this is a big deal? This is a big mess and th I'm just overworked and there's a lot of things happening and I feel stressed and I have the opportunity to just make something blow up and it not be my fault. And I can play the victim card as too much has happened. I'm being asked to do too much. Or I can say it's my time for my interim. The world and all of us are wired a specific way. Psychologists call it thin slicing. Has anyone ever heard of the term of thin slicing? Good. Then you'll learn something. All but one. They call this term th uh, thin slicing. It's, it's to determine a, a variety of situations in a small amount of time. And the world, and even you yourselves, when you get close to somebody, a lot of us just call it our first impression. And when somebody meets you, it might not take you but a few moments to realize, I don't like that guy. And somebody might say, why? You just met him. You know, there's something that I, I don't know. I just I don't like them. I, there's something. Or you might say, you know what? And it happened here. There was a, a lady. I'll, I'll leave names out. But a lady that came into church and and uh, was a, a guest of ours and, and simply said that 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 person at the front door was absolutely professional. That person needs to open the door for every single one that enters a the church. They're awesome. They're amazing. There's something about them that I love. And she only met them for a few seconds. It's a thin slice. A lot of people think we need a ton of time to tell what we like or don't like about somebody, but ultimately the world believes that you can simply take a small measure of that time of somebody's life, and whatever your impression is, that will be how they really are. And we do this throughout our lives. Um, uh, I did it with a, a young man we just hired about a, a two, three weeks ago, I believe, or maybe a month ago at this point. Tall guy, 6'5", and, and just a, a beef of a man. And I'm, I'm, he's 18 or 24, something like that. He's kind of a young, low 20s. That was a big gap. And uh, he's standing there, and, and my, my company, they call it the Brandon Method because I'll just talk to people. I like to talk. If, if you don't get that, I like to spend time with them, and I like to uh, get to know them, and I'll try to break them down the best I can because I want a thicker slice than what I get if they just stand there and don't talk to me. And I don't, I'm not good at reading facial expressions all the way. And, you know, did he lift a, a certain part of his eyebrow, which indicates slight distaste? You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not into it all like that, but I, I want to know, like, what do you think? And I want to hear your comments. I want to I get into a little bit. What will you say when you let your guard down? And so I began to ask him simple things. And I said, man, where'd you come from? He said, all the factories. And I said, you're a pretty big fella. I bet nobody's ever taken you out. And he goes, no, I can hold my own. And he kind of just puffs up his chest. He said, yeah, there ain't a lot of people that have messed with me. And it took about two seconds to realize this guy's going to fight whenever he leaves. <laughs> and I don't want to be around him when he leaves. I'm not the fighter. I'm, I'm, I'll hug you. You know, let's, 
listen, you'll, you'll be okay. You'll find something else. And this guy looks like he'd square up to you. And so I began to thin slice, and that's something we're geared with. It's, it's a moment where we can tell that a simple comment, and that's all it takes for us to be revealed about who we kind of are. But we don't really take that into account in our lives and say, you know what, it matters what I say. It matters when I say it and how I say it. And it matters that my life uh, is, is on display even when I meet new people. And so with everything in me, I, I don't know about you, but I'm the one guy that I'll try my best when I meet new people. And we, I, I don't do it very well sometimes in church, the place where we should be the best at it. But I'll see somebody walk in that's a guest, and I might be up here playing, and then I'll see somebody take him, and I think, okay, I'm not going to interrupt them. And so I'll, I'll instantly kind of distant myself, but I don't really know if they're watching me or not. And then before you know it, two or three or four or five services have passed, and it's been a few weeks, and I still haven't talked to them, all because I never made that first impression. So it will put space between me and somebody for no reason whatsoever other than I just didn't want to invade them. But they've seen me for five or six weeks. They've seen me and they've wondered, what is so distant? Why is Brandon just so distant from me? Why doesn't he get close? And I have to evaluate myself and simply remind myself, it is still time for my intro. I think in all of our lives, as, as, as we begin to get in this revival mode, because that's if, if I had a focus tonight, it would be to get us to understand how important it is that we love the, the ones that don't know us. We've got to love our guests. We've got to love not only the, the body of Christ, but those which we don't have much in common with. We've got to find ways to invest in their lives and, and have those small groups and different things where we can uh, get to let them see who we are. But oftentimes we'll quickly push that aside and say, it's okay that I didn't talk to them because so-and-so talked to them. And they got some free coffee and a cool little gift. And they were asked if they wanted a Bible study and the Lord talked to them, but but it's okay if me, part of the body, didn't talk to him. And so oftentimes we will give ourselves excuses and that's okay with us because they weren't our guest. I'm just preaching to myself. Is that all right tonight? How many, yeah, yeah, quiet, isn't it? How many times do we wish that when we brought somebody that everybody would come up and tell them how much we loved having them in church? How often is it that when we invite somebody, we pray, Lord, let the pastor talk about salvation and let him talk about how awesome it is to be in church and let him let, let the spirit of God fall. Let the Holy Ghost fill my, my friend. And we just get so excited for the simplest things because the opportunity is there. And yet the rest of us don't really realize it is our time for an intro. It's our time for that first impression to be made where we can go up to them and, and say it with a smile, amen? Some of us need to start walking upside down and the smile would come, maybe. <laughs> because so many of us are so used to not letting our face move and we think this is okay because I'm me and I'm going through a lot. And you don't understand it. We wear that thorn in the flesh on our face, but they say that a smile is so contagious and, and so useful. In fact... They say that uh, in, in psychology, I, I try to read some books on this where uh, they studied every muscle in the face and they would combine different muscles, you know, a smile or uh, a nose flare. And they said how rare it is if you can just flare one nostril and all this weird stuff. But they documented uh, making these different faces and what that meant as an emotion. Oh, you're doing a smile mixed with some uh, uh, surprise. 
And now, now you're doing a frown mixed with a lot of anger, and you're doing all these different things. And they realized the more that they would do these faces, trying to work their emotions, that their bodies and their lives would mimic what they had done. And so as they would work on some of the frowns and the snares, they realized day by day that, man, I don't feel so good. Psychologist, running test would recognize, I just don't feel good. And so the next day they said, okay, now we're going to document our feelings. And so they worked on the smiles and they worked on the happy looks and all that different thing. They said, man, I feel pretty good. And they realized that your face is actually connected to your emotions. It's okay that you smile. Even if it's not at me, it's okay that there is some laughter and some joy in your life. It's not about the, the downs. It's, it can be about the ups as well and about the good parts of life. Amen. And so the first thing I must learn about myself is my first impression. I have to get better at letting people see the Jesus in me. It only takes a few minutes to give people all that they will ever see and know about me. My impression matters. And the second thing that we have to look at, and again, I'll be about 10 more minutes and I'll, I'll shut her down. Is that all right? And it's simply, what do they see when they look at me? Paul was the only person that openly ripped into another apostle. And he went after the big dog, Peter. And scripture records it when Paul says, I was, and I'm paraphrasing, all right, it's, it's in there. You can look it up. Paul would simply say, when he was around Gentiles, he loved and acted like a Gentile. But when the Jews came around, he changed himself and I confronted him. And he was very abrasive. Some of you would really would have loved Paul. According to, to the, the world, he was short. Nothing wrong with being short, amen? So he was short and stocky and all these sort of things, and, and he persecuted Christians, but then he became uh, a lover of, of Christians and, and, and the whole gospel and, and became, he was a self-proclaimed apostle. And he walked up to the big dog and goes, you're out of line, hypocrite. <laughs> and he was, in his words, telling him, listen, you have got to change who you are. Because when you're around Gentiles, yeah, you love them. But as soon as your buddies come around, as soon as the church folk get around here and all the Pharisees and Sadducees show up, all of a sudden you're too good for these people and you realize what law used to say and you're still living under that. You know why God chose Paul? Because that was the one person that the Jews probably still hated after he converted him. And so that gave Paul the ability to not get close to the people that were stuck in their ways, but to push Paul and to say, okay, now go to Ephesus. Okay, now go to Rome. Okay, now you're going to go to Corinth. Okay, now you're going to go to uh, 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 Galatia. You're going to go to all these places. What, what about my home? Mm -mm. They don't like you. <laughs> go to these other places. And he began to grow and build churches. Do you realize the church of Ephesus is Turkey? <laughs> Have you watched what Turkey is today? They're not Ephesus. They're nowhere like what the Bible talks about, and, and we're all in the same body. It's like, uh-uh, you people hate Israel. There, there's a lot of, of, of friction and different things about uh, a country now, but that church, politics are politics, but that church loved the people of God. And he began to talk to them, and he would say, put on the fruits of the Spirit. And he would talk about how important it was, the, uh, the lowliness, the meekness, and to do it with love. Those fruits of the Spirit, I've talked about them a lot uh, from this very sacred desk and pulpit, but 
it's important that we start every day out by praying and praying that God would not only counsel us, but put those fruits of the Spirit on us. They say that there are tests, again, back to some psychology, because I like to mix what some of us consider the logical with the spiritual. I believe everything the Bible says, but a lot of us just compartmentalize it. No, nah, that's the Bible. But they say that there are tests that can be done uh, that when words are spoken to you, even uh, uh, in a mixed-up sentence, that there is a way to prime a person. And they would give these tests out, and they'd give them a bunch of different words, and it would be like, uh, he, she sat by the garden in Florida. And uh, the elder walked slowly, this, that, and they would use these words, and they would sprinkle in things like Florida and old and retirement and all these things. And they would notice that after these people would be primed, they would get up from the test, and they were told to go walk down the hall, go talk to so-and-so, they'll give you your next test. And they said that almost every one of them walked slower. Just a little carefuler. I don't know what that was all about, but for some reason I've been primed, and they would say that there was something about the hearing of words, even when they didn't register it. And so it's important in my mornings that I say, Lord, cover me. Let me be a man of love. Let me be a man that, that knows patience. Don't make me, give me patience. You know, you got to be careful with patience. Help me to be meek. Lord, let me be kind in my words. And, and just the very hearing of yourself asking God to do a work will put you in a place where when the bad things happen and everything hits the fan and it's a bad moment, that you can have love at the forefront. You can prime your own life to have a better result simply by praying. Simply by getting your heart and your mind that says, I will do this. And, and, and then when people meet you, you can have a first impression that's worth remembering. Then when they see you, they can say, man, there's something different about him. I don't know what it is, but, but that guy seemed to be nice even when everything else seems to be going wrong on this job. I've had it said of me when we've worked late and uh, late into the night and I'm meeting somebody for the first time and I have a moment, uh, uh, an opportunity, a man by the name of Derek. And I found out later Derek is the CFO of a major company that we do a lot of business with. That's pretty high up there. That's C-level status. And as he's talking to me, he's just a normal guy that's only caring about the bottom line of the dollar. And, and, and I'm meeting him in the middle of the night in January down at Pan Am Plaza. I love the place. Used to be a great place for HYC. We'd all do skating rinks there, and it was uh, just a fun memory in childhood. And I'm working in a boiler room across from where they rented skates, which is gross now. <laughs> because they haven't touched it in like 20 years, and the skating rink is like some storage facility. It was just wild, but... I had the chance, and I said, man, Derek, it's good to meet you. I'm sorry. It's under these circumstances, but I, I hope everything's okay. And I, I don't even realize, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to be nice. It's 10 o'clock. It's zero out. It's cold. I'm tired, and I'm in the inner city of a dangerous place that I don't trust. Yet Derek remembered me. And Derek would tell Anthony the next day, my boss, or the following couple of days, I really like that Brandon kid. I hope you use him when you come back to fix things. I hope that you can keep him a part of things when you uh, uh, keep growing. He's a good dude. That, there's something about him. And yes, it's a Jesus in me, but it's also that little thin slice. I had an opportunity under bad conditions to be nice, to love. I ain't after Derek's money. I'm not after his job. I don't really care if we ever work with him again. But if there's ever an opportunity where I can touch his soul, then it was all worth it. 
that made every moment worth it. The world might thin slice you, but I do know a God that doesn't. I want to mention this as as the music comes. I'm going to kind of close early on my notes here. The Munich Philharmonic a few years ago was looking for a new lead trombonist. And they had uh, one that was going to audition where his brother was a part of the judging committee and a part of the band. And and they said, okay, well, we're going to do this blind testing and and we're going to find a way to make sure we put up a curtain and we only listen to them and we don't want to know who they are. So we're completely going off of how good they're actually playing. And it was at that moment where um, they would go through one person after another, and not, we're talking about some of the best people in the world. The Munich, uh, Munich Germany, Philharmonic is, is one of the best orchestras in the world. And, and they got to this one trombonist who was number 16, and, and they played, and they said, okay, that's it. We've made our decision. We want to thank you all. Um, you all can pack up. We'll let the, the person who got the spot know who it was. And it was at that moment where the curtain came down and the person comes out who played the trombone and they had thought, there's no way I got it. I actually messed up on her note. I wasn't, I wasn't perfect. And they walked out and um, the whole judging committee was aghast. And they said, okay, uh, you're not, you're not going to be playing this position. And she looked at him and said, why not? They said, because no Japanese girl has ever played trombone in the lead position on the Philharmonic. They said they, they don't think that Japanese people had a soul for music. They don't think that girls had enough lung capacity, and they would begin to rip down who they thought this girl was. And so for eight years, they would put her in all sorts of uh, testing and all sorts of courtrooms trying to find her position because she earned something that the world didn't see fit to give her. And she passed every lung test saying her lung capacity is impeccable and they would do blind audition after blind audition every time choosing her to fill a spot. And they did it time and time again, a, a small girl trying to live off those stereotypes that, that she was able to do something that nobody else could do. And she passed. I want to hopefully give some of you some hope today. Maybe you're not good at first impressions. Maybe you've written me off so far saying there's, there's no point. I don't really smile. I'm not nice. I don't know what to say to people. I wouldn't know how to open up. But you're still part of the body. Even though when the veil comes down and the world decides to judge you, there's no way that you're capable. You're not able to do it. God still knows the end from the beginning, and he doesn't have to thin slice you. He knows the whole picture of who you are. It says it multiple times in the Bible. Behold, I make all things new. Isaiah 43 and 18, remember not the former things, nor consider the old things. Isaiah, uh, the next verse in, in 43 and 19, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the, the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In Revelation 25, he said, Behold, I am making all things new. Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. 
I feel, and I mentioned it at the beginning, but I feel the biggest problem that we as Christians have is that we embrace our past and our failures. And we, every time something new, a new roadblock comes and hits us in the face and we say, you know what, man, I, I feel like so-and-so and me just, we, we got into each other's business and, and, and I, I feel like uh, this person just doesn't like me or I feel like this, this uh, body of Christ, this other saint, this, this person that is supposed to love me, they've distanced themselves. I must have done something really wrong and, and I, I feel so judged and I feel so torn away and I might feel so separated. But above all that humanity's failures has, God truly is the ultimate judge. And he knows your heart even when your face might not say it. And he knows your thoughts even when the words don't come out right. He knows the intent and the the ability of every heart to reach to him or to simply shy away because of hurt and pain. If you would stand with me. Paul said it like this. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and there's one Spirit, even as ye are called into one hope of your calling, one Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. I serve a God of grace. I might have had a cross remark last week. I might not have done right when the guest walked in or Maybe when they showed up to the picnic and I didn't see them in church, there might have been judgment of who are you to come and just eat the food and not partake of the bread of life. What were my thoughts? Where were, where were the intents of my heart? Was I happy when the, the church is full with people I don't know? Am I okay when God begins to give revival like he's promised? Or are you still grabbing on to the hurts of yesterday? Well, they haven't been fixed. I get it. Trust me, I get it. But I'm going to have to cover those hurts in the same blood and in the same love and in the same kindness and patience and meekness that I covered the hurts before. I might never get the apology I wanted. I might never get the explosive blowing up and leaving and saying, I hope you all fall apart without me. But God hasn't called us for that. He's called us to be unified. I hope my pastor's proud of me tonight. If nothing else, I just want to please the man of God. I want to draw us closer in every way. I want to echo his words and say, yes, I'm not perfect. Yes, there's times where my mind's not right or my actions aren't speaking right. I'm not smiling the way I should. I'm, I'm not happy, but God can still use me. When I pray and there's a, a, a closet that I get in and, and there's a time where I'm alone or I'm able to go to a church and be by myself, when I'm behind that curtain and man can't see, only God knows the intents of my heart. It's up to me every day and every night to worship Him no matter how good I feel, 
no matter what the battle is. Come on, Patton. It's up to you to face that biggest battle and to win the war of your faith and of your life and of your family just simply by being in the war. It's up to us to not quit. Am I making any sense tonight? I'm not opening up an altar whether you want to pray at it or not. That's up to you. But I am going to call us to a moment of prayer. I wonder what it would be like if just for a few moments, if you'd give me even just two minutes to ask God to just begin to heal that brokenness that we might feel. Lord, would you just have your way in that bitterness, God, that maybe I can't shake off that past. Won't you raise your hands tonight? Won't you just get alone with him for a moment? Lord, help my face to change. Lord, when I see somebody new, I have a chance to impact. Lord, help my mind to change. I don't care about the money, the retirement. I don't care about the job like I need to care about souls. Lord, in all that I do, I pray, God, use me for your glory. That's it, church. Won't you just pray for just a moment? Why don't we just cry out together? Lord, use us for your glory. Lord, this is my time for an intro. This is my time for God to use me. Jesus, have your way. Lord, I want to see another 30 souls get baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. God, I want to see another 30 get lost in Bible studies. I want to see another 30, Lord, that goes on and does path of life. God, I want to see this church grow. I want to see my city saved. I want to see my family saved. Have your way, Jesus. That's what I'll be. What up? 